of us believe that God hears our cries today. That God is here in this house today to touch some of our lives in this room today. I hope you came with an expectation because nobody should leave this house the way they came. We're in the presence of a God who wants to change us for the better, who wants to fix our brokenness, who wants to make our lives better. Can everybody do me a favor right now? Will everybody just look down at your hands for one second? Just look at your hands for one second and repeat out loud after me. This is all God needs to advance his kingdom. If you believe that, give the Lord a mighty hand clap of praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. You may be seated. Hallelujah. We're going to be talking for a minute today about equipped to advance the kingdom. Does anybody know that that is our job, right? We are here to advance the kingdom. There are a couple kingdoms at work in this world today. We have a darn kingdom and we have a marvelous kingdom of light that we belong to. And we are advancing that kingdom as believers and children of God. We got it written on our walls up here. Go love. The great command and the great commission to go and love. That's what Jesus has called every one of us to do in our lives. Let's take a look at this scripture in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, where Jesus tells us that this is what he wants us to do. And this is right before he's taken up into heaven to go prepare a place for us. And he sits down and he tells his disciples. And Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this, that I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We don't serve a weak God. We serve a God who's been given all authority under heaven and earth. Hallelujah. And his name is Jesus. That's why we baptize in the name of Jesus. Because that's the name underneath all knees shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So he told his disciples to go forth and advance this kingdom. Not by force, not by anger, but through love and light, go forth and advance this kingdom. And we know that they were equipped to do so. God never calls us to do anything that we're not going to be able to do. If God calls us to do something, it's because he knows, a lot of times better than we know, that we are able to do what he's called us to do. This passage right here in Matthew reminded me of Moses. And I feel like today there's a lot of people who are in 
Moses' position in this story I'm about to tell. Because Moses was born from the promise. He was part of the chosen people. He was an Israelite from birth. He was God's promised people. But he also was sent adrift down a river and was raised in a kingdom of darkness. Egypt has always represented sin and it's always represented wickedness in our world. And Moses found himself being raised in this kingdom. But then he breaks away and he goes out into the wilderness and he's kind of in between both the kingdoms. And I feel like today we have a lot of people who find themselves in that position. That they're not fully in the kingdom of the light and they're not fully in the kingdom of the dark, but they're somewhere by themselves trying to figure out which kingdom they should buy into. And those are the people we are after. Amen? Those are the people we are after. Those are the people that we can persuade to come over to the kingdom of the light. That's how we are going to advance this kingdom. But in the middle of this, Moses has an encounter with God. He shows up and he finds himself at the burning bush. And it changes everything about Moses' life. And in that moment, God tells Moses to do the same thing that we heard Jesus command his disciples to do in Matthew. In Exodus 3, starting in verse 10, God tells Moses, Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh, and you must lead my people out of Israel. Just like Jesus, God tells Moses, it's time to go. It's time for you to go advance my kingdom. God's calling all of us to do the same thing today. Go and advance his kingdom. Once you've had this encounter with God, now it's time for you to advance his kingdom. But Moses, he doesn't always see it the way he should. It takes some persuasion here. And in verse 11, Moses protested to God. And he says, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Has anybody ever asked that question? Anybody ever been there? I've been there. I'm there right now. God says, go preach. I said, who am I to stand before this great congregation and preach? I'm a child of the king. That's who I am. That's who you are. You're a child of the king. You're a chosen people. You're anointed to do God's work on this earth. We can't let the devil's lies get in our way. I can't let the devil convince me that I'm not equipped to advance this kingdom. If God's called me to advance it, then he's equipped me already. Anything that God's called you to do, you're already equipped because you're his chosen child. You're the one he loves. He's going to back your move in advancing his kingdom. So God answers him. And God says, I will be with you. Oh, that's all we need in life. If God is for us, who can be against us? 
We got to remember that. I need to remember that in my life. So many times I look out and I see the enemy in front of me. I forget who's standing beside me. Because if he's on my side, it doesn't matter who's coming against me. It doesn't matter how big the giant is, how big the mountain is. I've got the king of kings on my side. And I'm going to advance his kingdom every chance I get. So he tells them, I will be with you. And this is the sign that I am the one who sent you. That when, you've been, when you have brought the people out of Egypt... You will worship God at this very mountain. Hallelujah. This is our mountain right here. Why do we come to church every week? Because it's a sign to the world that I'm on his side. That's why I come to church every week. That's why I find myself at this mountain. I want it to be a sign to this world that I belong to the king. That I'm a part of that kingdom of light. I'm advancing his kingdom. So he says it'll be a sign you're going to worship God at this mountain. But Moses protested again. He's just me and Moses got a lot of common. <laughs> Sometimes me and God's got to let me know. And that's what God's doing to Moses here. And he protests and he says, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Now, Names, especially back in, in Moses' days, names represented a lot. Names told you of that person's character. It told you about who they were. And that's what Moses is telling them. If I go to them and they ask me, what am I going to tell them? How, what am I going to tell them about you? How am I going to let them know that you're actually on my side? Oh, this is so good. So many times we witness to people, and those are, those are our first two fears, right? Number one, who am I? Who am I to be telling this person about God? Number two, are they really going to believe that I know who God is? What's his name? What's his name? How do I know? What's his character like? But once again, God replies to Moses, I am who I am. Say to the people of Israel, the I am has sent you. You know what God's saying there? My character is what I do. You go tell them to look at what I do, who I am, because that's going to prove to them that God's on your side. We don't serve a weak God. We serve a powerful God. That's who the I am is. And God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent you. This is my eternal name, my name to be remembered for all generations. So he tells them, tell them that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the same God that promised Abraham the same God that protected Isaac the same God that protected Jacob that God is going to protect you and save you because there was a promise that he made to Abraham and he wanted the people to remember I remember the promise I made to your ancestors that's who I am we have a God who remembers the promises that he's told you in your life. He remembers the things that he's whispered in your ear that he's going to do. 
And he's never going to stop until that's accomplished because he is the I am. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Not the I was, not the one day, the I am. In the middle of this situation, I am. So God tells him, go back and tell the elders. Go tell the elders what's going to happen. And he promises them, I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to take you out of this life of sin. You're going to have an abundant life. We're going to the land of milk and honey. We're going to the promised land. So he tells Moses, go back there, do all that. He says, but the king will resist you, and I will perform great miracles. Pastor preached the other week about this world's going to hate us right we didn't preach that but that was in the message what he preached about the fact that they hated christ so they're going to hate us too and that's what god's reminding him the king he's not going to like it the king of this world is not going to like what you're doing the king's not going to like the fact that you're advancing the kingdom but he promises you that when the king doesn't like it he will perform miraculous miracles on your behalf I shouldn't be worried about the king not liking the fact that I'm advancing the kingdom because that's a guarantee that my God's about to drain miracles on us. My God's about to give out blessings because the king doesn't like what we're doing against this kingdom. But that's a promise that my God's got miracles up his sleeve for his church, for his house. Sometimes God likes it when the enemy doesn't like it. That's a perfect opportunity for him to bless his people. Because the more the world doesn't like us, the more God loves us. Hallelujah, Jesus. But he also tells him in the end of chapter 3 in verse 21, he says, And I will cause the Egyptians to look favorably on you. They will give you gifts. You will go, or they will give you gifts when you go, so you will not leave empty-handed. Thomas, you quoted that to me this week, didn't you? <laughs> I told him, quit reading my notes. <laughs> I don't care if we got the same Holy Ghost. <laughs> but you're right. And he, 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 he reminded me of that to encourage me. He said, Daniel, when the Egyptians left, they took all the silver and the gold and the fine clothes with them. He tells him here, every Israelite woman will ask for articles of silver and gold and fine clothes from her Egyptian neighbors and from the foreign women in their homes. And you will dress your sons and daughters with these, stripping the Egyptians of their wealth. We're not leaving empty-handed. We're not leaving this world of sin to come into the kingdom of light empty-handed. God doesn't want us to leave from this kingdom into this kingdom and then have nothing to show for it. But God wants to bless your life. God wants to increase your life. So just because you're going from the kingdom of darkness into the light doesn't mean you're leaving everything behind. God's got some promises for you on the other side. We're going to the land of milk and honey. We're breaking out of here. We've got to have that mentality in this world. My boss doesn't own me. Jesus owns me. I'm going to go like he told me. I'm going to win the loss like he told me. And you're going to dump silver and gold and blessings into my life as I advance the kingdom for God's sake. Anybody believe that today? Do we really believe God wants to bless our lives? 
Because it says a lot about God's character whether or not we believe that. So many times in my life, I've needed things and I've wanted things and I've prayed God for things and I thought to myself, well, God really doesn't care if I get that. And my whole mentality and outlook on who God was was wrong. I didn't view him as being a loving God, a caring God who cares for my every needs. I viewed him as being an all-powerful God and me was just a little small ant down there that he doesn't have to worry about. But that's not God's character. He said, I am the I am. I am the one who loves you. I'm the one who chose you. I've got every hair on your head numbered. I know everything that you're doing. And it's my nature to bless and to love people. It's his very nature to bless and love people. We have to believe that. I'm not serving a God who just wants me to serve him and doesn't care about my own good. We're serving a God who wants to bless us on the way by taking it from the enemy and giving it to the righteous. Ah, oh, hallelujah, Jesus. But we get to the next chapter here, and Moses is protesting again. So here goes Moses again, and he says, but what if they don't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Again, here's, it's, it's another problem we all face. What if they don't believe me? What if I tell them that if they tithe, they'll be blessed, and they don't believe me? Then what do I say? What if I tell them that God loves them, and he wants them to be a part of his church, but they don't believe me? Then what do I do? I can't twist their arm. I can't force them to come. What do I do next, God? And the Lord asked him, what is in your hands? We've been, me and Stefan have been tag teaming this. We've been talking about the staff and we've been talking about what was in his hands. But guess what, guys? That was just a stick. It didn't really matter what was in his hands. His hands are what mattered, his hands are what had the power. But he asked him, What's in your hands? And he says, A shepherd's rod. And he says, Throw it down. So Moses throws it on the ground. And the Lord says, after he throws it on the ground, the stick turns into a snake. And Moses jumped back. How many would have that reaction? <laughs> if it turns into a snake, I'm jumping back. Sometimes God will freak us out a little bit <laughs> when we see his power and his righteousness. When we see his miraculous acts, sometimes it can scare us a little bit. And Moses jumps back and God tells him, reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and he grabbed it and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord your God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob really has appeared to you. So he tells him, quit talking. What if they don't believe me? What if they ask me about your name? What do we? And he says, you know what, quit talking. Take what's in your hands and show them. Show them how something that was dead and dry and broken can come to life. Show them what's in your hands. I can't always argue with people about God. You know, I, I seen something online about on Facebook. People were talking about whether or not they believe in God. They had this whole heated debate going. 
I sat back and looked at it and I thought to myself, I don't even believe in God anymore. Like, that's like asking me if I believe in my wife. Like, I don't believe in her. I have a relationship with her. I know her. My, my sheep will hear my voice and know me. We don't worry about whether or not there's a God. I don't just believe in God anymore. I know there's a God. I see his works daily. I watch what he's done in my life. And the greatest example of that is what's in my hands. My very own life was a dry, broken stick that God turned into life. That's, that is all the argument you'll ever need. Anybody who sees somebody's life get transformed by Jesus starts asking, what happened there? What's different about that person? What's going on there? Did you see that stick turn into a snake? Did you see that come to life? Because we serve a God who resurrects things. We serve a God who wants to give life to you. He doesn't want you living dead. He doesn't want you locked up in a corner somewhere. He wants to bring you to life. Hallelujah, Jesus. Then the Lord told Moses, put your hand inside your cloak. So he wants Moses to understand. It ain't about the stick. It's not about the stick. Put your hand inside your coat. So Moses put his hand in his coat, and then when he took it out again, his hand was white as snow with a severe skin disease. Now put your hand back in your cloak, the Lord said. So Moses put his hand back in, and when he took it out again, it was as healthy as the rest of his body. Then the Lord said to Moses, if they do not believe you or are convinced by the first miraculous sign, they will be convinced by the second miraculous sign. That's why we still believe in healing. Why do I still believe in healing? Because it's a sign to the unbeliever. Some people will see the first sign. They'll see me who used to be a stick and now I'm alive and I'm full of life. They'll see that first sign and it doesn't quite convince them. So God says, I'm all powerful. I still got the might. I've got the strength. Let me show you something you can't argue with. I'll perform miracles in your midst. Julie making it to church today was a miracle, right? It wasn't about me. It wasn't about my hands. But I did what the word of God commanded. I went up there. I anointed her with oil and I prayed over her. The next day she left the hospital. Now we can say, oh, that was just coincidence. Hey, she was on her fourth day. No, I'm going to give the glory to God because I believe his word. I still believe his word. And it's a sign to the unbeliever. I want to advance this kingdom. I can't advance this kingdom without some equipment. But God has equipped each and every one of us. He didn't say if only select people lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. He didn't, say, he didn't say, well, you know, if you go get a bishop, and then the bishop goes over and lays, then, then no, no. He said, every one of you, every one of you, I've anointed you. Jesus said, we're going to do greater things than he did. I can't do that if I don't believe. So I have to believe the word of God. I have to have an encounter with God. I have to obey him, and I have to go, and I have to advance his kingdom and if they don't believe or listen even after 
these two signs, God says, I got one more. God tells him, take some of the water from the Nile River and pour it out on the dry ground. And when you do, the water of the Nile will turn to blood on the ground. There's our third sign. Let's show them how water can turn to blood. Let's show them how water can turn to blood. Because we, we, can, we can show them a resurrected life. We can show them healing. But let's introduce them to the waters of baptism. Hallelujah. We've been working hard on that baptism tank back there. It was down for a minute. And God bless Nan. He's a superhero. I don't know if you guys know that. But that man does a lot around here. I wouldn't be able to do half of what we do without him. But he finally got it all up and almost to Parna. <laughs> He's got it all done. We're just waiting for it to cure. We're going to fill it up. And guess what? We're going to get back into the business of advancing the kingdom. We're going to be baptizing people left and right in there. We made it look awful pretty so everybody can feel welcome. Because there's something about that third sign of dumping out that water and watching it turn to blood. There's something about applying that blood to your life that changes everything. But Moses pleaded with the Lord again. In verse 10, he tells him, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. I've had that very conversation with God, too. As <laughs> you want me to stand up here and preach, what happens if I get tongue-tied? What if I say the wrong thing? What happens if it doesn't come out right? And that's the other thing Moses is wrestling with right now. God, but what if, what if I just don't do as good of a job as I know you want done? And we all feel that way. Like, we've been doing amazing things with this youth group. But if I sit down by myself, I'm like, could I have done it a little bit better? Is there anything I can just do a little bit better? And I have to remind myself that it's in my brokenness that he is exalted. It's in my brokenness that he makes up the difference. So the Lord tells Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Moses, you're, you're, you don't have the ability. Who do you think gives people this ability? Who made the mouth? Who makes a person be able to speak or not? To hear or not? To see or not? It is I, the Lord. There's no, there's no argument we're going to have with God that he doesn't have the answer for. He created you. He made you exist. He gave you a mouth. He gave you a tongue. He gave you hands. He gave you feet. And now he told you, go advance his kingdom. We ain't got nothing to argue about. If he made, if he made us able to, he, he made a donkey speak in the Bible. And I believe that. So if he can make a donkey speak, he can put the words in your mouth. He can give me a sermon to speak up here. I'm sure he can give you a couple of words of encouragement to say to your coworker at, at work, right? It ain't much to advance the kingdom, guys. We're, we're living in a world that's dark. We're living in a world that's not very loving, that's wanting to destroy people around us. But we are the kingdom of light and love. We're advancing this through love and light. Nobody is going to not want to be loved by a church that's willing to love them. And that's exactly what we have made this house. 
That's what we've made this church again, and that's the way it's going to stay. Because God is going to protect us. God is going to equip us, and God is going to make sure that we have everything we need to advance his kingdom. Because it's his will. It's his will that the world gets saved, right? It's not just me wanting to save everybody. He loved the world so much he came and died for everyone. And John tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then that light came into the world, and darkness could not extinguish it. That tells me we're on the winning side. Our kingdom can't lose, because darkness can't put out the light. But the light can extinguish the darkness. But we got to shine that light. Hide it under a bush. Oh, no. I'm going to let it shine. <laughs> that's what we got to be doing as a church because that's what's going to attract people to this kingdom. Nobody wants to come to a church that's been baptized full of pickle juice, right? We want to come to a church that's celebrating life because we serve a God who's alive and resurrecting lives all around us and performing miracles and advancing his kingdom. So the Lord answers him and tells him, I've got it. I made your mouth. I made you to speak. You don't got to worry about it. But Moses again pleaded. And he says, Lord, please send anyone else. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. Now this is the first time it says the Lord became angry with Moses. When Moses said he couldn't talk, I'm sure God was rolling his eyes like Moses but when Moses says, send somebody else, that's when the Lord became angry with him. Because the Lord can equip you. The Lord can have an encounter with you. The Lord can move you. But more than anything, God doesn't want to send anybody else. He wants you. He wants every one of you to advance the kingdom. It's not enough that Brother Stefan preaches amazingly. That's great. I love it. But God wants you to tell that buddy at work that he loves him. God wants you, when you see someone struggling on the side of the road, to stop and tell him somebody loves him. God wants us to advance the kingdom. What I'm doing up here is not advancing the kingdom. What I'm doing up here is I, I'm getting you guys excited about going out and advancing the kingdom. That's where the real advancement takes place. It doesn't really take place at a, at a podium when I'm preaching. It takes place in a person's home when you're sitting down to dinner with them. And you're explaining to them God's word and how much God loves them. That's when we see lives changed. And it can't be fake. It can't be about memberships. But it's about wanting people to experience God's love. It's about wanting their life to become blessed like my life's been blessed since God's got a hold of me. It's about wanting that light to continue to shine. So the Lord becomes angry and he tells him, all right. He says, what about your brother, Aaron the Levite? Hallelujah. That's probably why Trav's sitting on the front row right now because of my conversation with God. <laughs> I said, God, please. He said, okay, what about your brother right there? Because we're not expected to go alone. That's why we have this church body. That's why we have our brothers around us. He tells them, I know he speaks well, and look, he's on the way to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you. 
So talk to him, put the words in his mouth, and I will be with both of you as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what to do. That's why we have a church body today. It's the same reason he gave Moses Aaron. We need a brother or sister alongside of us. Terrence, how many times have you come to me and been like, hey, Dan, I'm dealing with this problem. Let's talk about it. I've come to you and been like, hey, I'm dealing with this situation. What's the right answer? And we talk and we put the words in each other's mouth so that we can go advance the kingdom. We all have an Aaron in our life. We got a church full of people who want to partner with you in advancing God's kingdom. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece. And you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. And take your shepherd's staff with you and use it to perform miraculous signs that I have shown you. That's what we need to advance the kingdom. After this, Moses finally stops arguing and he finally decides to go do what God's told him to do. He had his brother with him. He had the promises. More importantly, he had God with him. He had God on his side. God is on each and every one of your sides today. He's not wanting you to go and witness to people without him there to help you. But God can give you just the right words to say at just the right time to change somebody's life forever. Because he's equipped you to advance his kingdom. Hallelujah. If you'll come, I'll, I'll wrap it up here. Because all of this started with this argument with God. And I was talking to a good brother in Christ he, he was reading my notes too. And he, he gave me this scripture. He said, Dan, have you ever seen this? And he was like, in Acts chapter 7, have you ever realized what C Stephen said about Moses? And I hadn't realized it. I had already prepared this sermon. I, had, I, I was going through it all. I was showing you how Moses' argument didn't hold up at all against God. But then he showed me this passage in Acts chapter 7, verses 20 through 22. And this is him talking about Moses as he's about to be stoned. And Stephen's telling them, and he brings them all the way back to the beginning with Abraham, and he's going through it. But he says this about Moses. He says, at that time, Moses was born, a beautiful child in God's eyes. His parents cared for him at home for three months. When they had, then they had to abandon him. And Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and raised him as her own son. And Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was powerful both in speech and action. Yeah, so I was like, whoa. Because Moses isn't acting that way. Moses isn't acting that way. But everybody else knew who Moses was. God knew who Moses was. And everybody sitting in this room today, God knows exactly who you are. You may not think you can talk. You may not think you can walk. You may not think you can lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. But God knows exactly who you are. He watched you when you were knitted together in the womb. He knows you are wonderfully made. He knows you are an amazing creature. That he loves and that he wants to support and equip to advance his kingdom but we are like Moses we don't see ourselves 
the way God sees us. I see myself the way I view me. I remember the things that I've done, the way that I've acted, the things that I've said. I remember all of that. But God remembers why he made you in the first place. God remembers why he wants you on his side. He knows where he's going to take you, the lives you're going to reach, the people that you can witness to that nobody else in the world would be able to talk to. He knows exactly where you are and who you are, and he loves you. But like Moses, a lot of times people don't realize the magnitude that they are. Because God created everybody wonderfully. There's a, a, there is a very specific ministry that God designed you for. To reach people nobody else can reach. There are some people I can talk to that you probably wouldn't be able to. There are definitely people you can talk to that probably wouldn't give me the time of day. But God has called all of us to work together, united as one body, advancing the kingdom of God. <laughs> Moses was powerful in speech and action. Well, who am I, God? Who am I? What if I, I get tongue-tied? My mouth don't work right. He didn't understand the power that he already had. But God knew it. And that's why God called him. And that's why God's calling you today. But all of this started at the beginning of Exodus 3. Because before all of this, Moses had to have an encounter with God. I'm not going to be powerful enough on my own. I don't have everything to advance the kingdom. It would fail if we're relying only on my strength. But I had an encounter with God. Moses had an encounter with God. And that was all he needed to be equipped to advance this kingdom. So in Exodus 3 verse 1, it says, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, a priest of Midian, and he led the flock out into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. Moses had left both kingdoms. He wasn't hanging out with the Israelites no more. He left them. He wasn't with the Egyptians anymore. He left them. And he was in a wilderness. Just, some sheep, just a little flock with him. But he found himself at the mountain of God. And there was the angel of the Lord that appeared to him in the blazing fire from the middle of the bush. And Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed with flames, it didn't burn up. That's amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't the bush burning up? I must go see. He saw a bush in flames, under wrath, under judgment. But it wasn't burning up. It was still alive. It was still strong. That's a representation of God's grace. God's going to call you. It's always going to be with a representation of his grace. 
He is an all-consuming fire. But he's not going to burn you up. He didn't come here to burn you up. He wants to light you on fire, but you ain't going to burn up. You're going to burn, but you're going to burn good for him, for his kingdom. Every time God calls anybody to him, it's with the display of grace. It's to show you his love. It's to show you how much he could change your life for the better. And that's exactly what the burning bush was. Moses had to come closer. I got to see this. Then the Lord saw Moses coming closer to look, and God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Who's God calling today from the middle of his grace? From the middle of that bush, whose name is he calling today? He's calling your name. And after all the ways that Moses responded to God that I don't want to respond like, in the beginning, Moses got it right. Because God calls him, Moses. And Moses says the three little words, that's all God needs to hear. Here I am. Moses tells God, here I am, God. Do not come any closer, God tells him. Take off your sandals, for you're standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he was afraid to look at God, so he covered his face. Right there is where he started to make his mistake. He covered his face, and then he starts protesting, and he starts telling God how he's not good enough, and he's not able. Second Chronicles 3 tells us that we should be a little bit different than that. In verse 16 through 18, it says, But whenever someone turns to the Lord, that veil is taken away. For the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had this veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. If I want to advance the kingdom of love, I better get to know the one who invented love. If I want to advance the kingdom of light, I better get to know the light because it's God who's calling us today if you'll stand with me we've all been equipped to advance this kingdom we've all been called to advance this kingdom all we need is an encounter with God all we need is to find ourselves standing on holy ground to hear our, our King of Kings and Lord of Lords call our name and to answer, God, here I am. Here I am, God. I don't think I'm perfect. Who am I, God? What can I do for your kingdom? But here I am. Because God wants to equip you today. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite you. We're going to open this altar up. I'm going to invite you to the mountain of God. I'm going to invite you 
to the holy ground to where God's calling your name today he wants to equip you he wants to he wants to show you his love he wants you to be able to go show this world your love but what's stopping you today what's standing in your way do you need a sign do you need a sign because I can show you something that was dead that he's resurrected there's a healer in this house today if you need a more powerful sign I believe God sent me here today to pray for people who are sick they can be they can recover and it can be a sign to this world do you need the, the water to turn into blood is that what you need today because whatever it takes it's not my will it's God's will that we advance this kingdom the only way this world gets darker is if we're not doing our job because we should be lighting this world up so I'm going to open this altar up I want you to come come see why that bush is burning and it's not burning up Come experience God's grace and God's love. Let him equip you today to advance his kingdom. Because there's a hurting world out there today. There's a hurting world out there that needs you. You're all they need. As long as you've had an encounter with God. To Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory Lord touch our hearts All and minds today God make us more like you every Christ day Lord King. that we'll shine in this your world name, God that we'll heal the sick God that we'll lay hands victory. on them that will recover Lord for your All glory for your kingdom God to don't let anybody leave without name, an encounter with you today name, God that you'll change the lives of everybody victory. in this room that we will advance your kingdom, rise to Christ our King. Oh, your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name, your name is victory. To Christ our King, your name.